Welcome down to North Star Community. I am Scott. I am the associate pastor, sometimes abbreviated the ASS period pastor. I'm joined by... Teresa. I'm just the plain old pastor. Senior pastor, head pastor, teaching pastor, executive pastor. Uh, what are the other titles? Care pastor? I don't That's think there's favorites. a... I, I think my the title, most of the titles that I'm called by, we can't put on posts. That isn't okay. true. Yes, it I always is. think I like care pastor uh, because I always think I know this is not how people mean it. This is a joke, so everybody relax. But I, I always think that it, that makes it kind of sound like none of the other ones care. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna. Hey, we have a we have a ministry team so big that we can delegate the unpleasant ministerial responsibility of caring to the one pastor. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else here doesn't give a. Well, we've got the care guy for you, so don't worry. You got a problem? Go see the care pastor. (laughs) I don't give up. Whatever. Yeah, I'm going to put bleeps in there for comedy, but we didn't actually (laughs) say anything inappropriate, just in case anybody's anxious about that. Uh, But putting in the sound effects is fun for me, and I think it's funny. Man, you don't want to get any emails this week, do you? You know, I don't think we've gotten any real complaints about anything we've said on here. So maybe it just like we're not, maybe we don't have enough listeners. I'm not sure. Uh, keep or it up. I don't want too, any complaints. Uh, people are too embarrassed to complain or too bashful to complain. I'm not sure. Um, okay, so for those of you who are following along at home, that was, um, we started with a digression, so... Um, who knows what the rest of the day holds. Focus, ask pastor, focus. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but this is, um, I think we figured out it was October 12th, maybe the second weekend um, in October is when this message was given. Uh, we say that just because there's no real good reason for it. But um, this was one of the ones where, um, and I may include some of our some of our pre-chat uh, at the beginning of the podcast so people... Um, have that backstory because I just happened to hit the record button early. But in case I decide not to do that, um, this was a message that um, went off the rails early in a good way. So you had a plan. Um, we were talking uh, beforehand about the fact that I had a hard time remembering this message and but when I was looking at your notes. Right. And I think the notes, uh, because I think maybe I only heard it once, like I heard the Saturday night version and then Sunday ended up being so different. But um, I think that the essence of what you are trying to address is the nature of spiritual performance in our lives, which is um, something we all struggle with in different ways. This would be an interesting, as I'm talking, this um, more Enneagram talk here. So if, if you don't know the Enneagram again, we're sorry, but um, it would be interesting to do um, a series on spiritual performance and the Enneagram and like what the different numbers um tend to do to spiritually perform. Yeah. Because um, I think that, would that be interesting. I think you'd get um, some really good um, and very different answers yeah. depending on um, on who you are. So, um, yeah, so we started with this question. You're going to have to remind me of the question, but it had something to do with... So the question... Uh, so I changed the question from Saturday night to Sunday, and I think the following weekend... 
I made an amends to our Saturday night crowd because I feel like oftentimes when we do messages, we end up learning more from our crowd than our crowd will ever learn from us, which I'm sure that's as it should be. But what that means sometimes is that uh, I make some pretty major tweaks from Saturday night to Sunday. And this was one of those messages, and it made all the difference in the world. So for what we're going to talk about today, the mess, the question I asked was, what is it in your life that you feel like causes you to question whether you can ever be a faithful person? Mm. Okay. Yep. Do you remember that? And... Um, So one of our uh, brothers from a local treatment facility raised his hand. And do you remember what he he said, what his story was? Yeah, he um, had been in the men's group that morning, which meets, we kind of have two lobbies because we have two entrances to the building. And um, so on the, on the, the one side, which is the side that most people don't come in on normally or like on the weekends, uh, we have the, that's where the men's group meets. So it's right by the door, which means... I say that because it, there's a coat rack yep. there. Um, and on the coat rack was um, an umbrella. Right. And this was a day, um, it was a cloudy day that um, it was supposed to rain a lot. And on Sundays um, at this at this uh, treatment facility, they're supposed to be out of the building a good portion of the day. And um, some of them have a certain number of meetings they have to get to. And so, and they have to walk to them. That's right. part of the deal. And so, um, if if uh, if it's pouring rain, they still have to walk to their meetings because they have to get a certain number um, because it's just part of the program. And so, on this particular day, it was supposed to rain, and he said he spent um, some of the group um, looking at that coat rack and seeing that umbrella, and he'd probably seen it there before. He's been coming for quite some time, so he's right. probably been looking at it and seeing it for week after week after week and noticing, hey, that's still in the same spot. Right. And um, he said, you know, um, when he raised his hand to answer your question, he said, I was thinking about how it's going to rain today, and I thought, I could take that umbrella, and nobody's going to know. Right. And he was right. He's right. He's absolutely right. None he of can... us would have would have known. And, and, and if we'd found out also, none of us would have cared. Exactly. But. That's exactly right. But I think he did the right. I think he had the right mentality, which is like, this isn't about whether somebody notices or cares. It's about the fact that he recognized I have an instinct that's not congruent with who I want to be. Right. And so I want to resist that instinct. Because I don't want to be the person who does those things, not because taking that umbrella is going to have consequences. Right. And I think that it raised a certain amount of uh, fear and trembling within him to think that he was still having those thoughts. Yeah. And can I just add something to that thought that I, I'm sorry, I'm hijacking yeah. here. No, it's but, fine. Um, that is that idea that. Um, we do certain things because of who we want to be and we don't do certain things because of who we want to be. To me, that is much more so how we should be thinking about faith than I do this because there are positive consequences. I don't do this because there are negative consequences. Like divorcing our our decision-making process from the consequences itself, I think is... 
um, a kind of freedom. Right. And it it's like, is this congruent with who I want to be or not? And it's hard to live as a person who has a lot of incongruence, right? Who does right. a lot of things that aren't who we see ourselves to be. Right, or want to be. And yeah. I, and, and, you know, actually I thought what he said was really quite brilliant because... Um, so I don't know why I was talking about this the other day, but I was talking with somebody the other day about, like, if I would say to you when you were a little kid, like, um, you need to do X, and if that doesn't get completed, your consequence is going to be Y. Um, and you would say to me, okay, well, sp- what what exactly will my consequence be if I don't do this? Like you can right, so you didn't specify the consequence. You just said right. do this, or there's going to be a consequence. Yeah, and you'd say, well, what would it be? And because I want to think about whether it be Me worth specifically doing it. or like any of your kids. No, you specifically. You okay. were really you were into like knowing what it was so that you could make a, a well informed decision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this, but that's pretty funny. Like you were as in, little, like six, you know. As in, like um, I'm comfortable facing a certain amount of consequences. There's like a threshold of consequences that I'm willing to face right. in order to not do this thing. Right. But if if the consequences are severe enough, then it's worth it to do this chore. Right. Right. That's funny. So. Um, or was it like? Yeah. No. Never mind. I was gonna take us off in a bad direction. So, you know, that's like six-year-old thinking right there, consequences, weigh the consequences, you know? Oh, I, I think that's kind of adult thinking in my opinion. But I think that, well, yes, but I think that there's this, unfortunately that's true. But I, I, I didn't mean that as a compliment to myself. I mean, like, that's just kind of how we all live, right? Which right. is like, how bad is it going to be? Right, right. <laughs> so I thought that in this moment, what he did was he took our thinking to an t- entirely different level, which I think made the message uh, so much meaningful to me mm-hmm. because he really was, you know, he was like, he knew there wouldn't be a consequence for this, so he could totally take the umbrella, but his mind was able to say, but it's... It's not in line with who I want to be. And what does it even say about me that I would have the thought? Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes that I had from that day that I had wanted to talk about was from St. Teresa of Lusseau when she was quoted as saying, I thirst. And uh, I love a good two-word quote, especially one that really packs such a punch because you know, the truth of that is constant. We never get to the point where we are unburdened from our thirst. There's always something we're thirsty for. Um, He wanted to be a little bit drier on Sunday afternoon, but we all have thirst preferences, wants, desires, feelings of lacking. And, um, And so the point that I was making Um, in that message is that we are a thirsty people and we are looking... Meaning we have urges and desires, um, sometimes met, sometimes unmet, but there's like, you know, there's a profound um, desire in each of us that probably looks differently. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And and it... um, 
there was a Psalm 71 that also said something to the effect of, oh, God, come to my assistance, oh, Lord, make haste to help me. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe we spend a lot of time, I would even say waste a lot of time, believing that we shouldn't have to cry out to God like that trying to create a more perfectly comfortable little nest for ourselves to live in so that we don't have to admit that we're thirsty. And um, I think that's a problem. And so... So, um, Just to clarify, the thirsty thing, is that about... um, Are you saying that that like we're in need and we need God to to meet that need and then we're trying to cover that up? I'm not... Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So so what I'm saying is the thirsty thing was not self-evident to me. Yes. That uh, the the thirsty is the longing. And then my point is is so often we misidentify the, the longing. The longing to um have our needs met or like um the human desire for or like the, or is it like um um what's the phrase? Keeping up with the Joneses. Well, whatever we perceive is missing that we keep trying to fill. So he was obsessed with that umbrella as filling a need, right, for him to stay a little drier. But he was also, when he told the story on himself, he was also acknowledging, and this is the part that goes beyond the I simply thirst to, I am a person of faith, Mm -hmm. even if I'm um, Jonesian for somebody else's umbrella, is he was recognizing that he could have the umbrella but it wouldn't quench his thirst. It would keep him a little bit drier on Sunday afternoon, but it would call into question, was he a guy who was really restoring his life to become a decent human being who served others? Right. So you're saying and didn't compulsively take things he wanted. So you're you're saying that we all have um suboptimal ways of trying to get our needs met. Right. And that that's what this like longing is about is like we're looking for solutions in places that aren't really going to offer solutions. Yes, and and it goes to the performance piece. So when we're talking about performing before God, if we're thinking about being faithful or spiritual people, we bring that that thirst unidentified, unwrestled with into our faith life, and then we try to just be be good enough at spirituality that we don't have to say to God, come to my assistance, make haste to help me. Um, and uh, I think that's a problem. So one of the things that I had happen after this message is I had several people come up and tell me to just go ahead and give him the umbrella. Yeah. Um. I'll share my I'll I can share what I did and my reasoning behind it in a minute but because okay. it's your message did you have the same experience and uh whether you did or not how would you have responded to that and why I did not have the same experience I would not have given him the umbrella because because I thought the umbrella for him, because of what he said about it, represented a guy who's in a program 
that is being taught how to um, not grab for things um, and not look outside themselves to meet more profound spiritual needs, I wouldn't have given him the umbrella because I thought that the umbrella represented a temptation to him. Yeah, it would have been, um, it would have taken, in my mind, it, this is the same reason in different words, it would have taken away his ability to be who he wanted to be. Right. Because he wanted to be a person, he was saying, I'm not the kind of person who takes an umbrella, and in order for me to be that person, I have to leave it behind. Right. And to me, this is a very... This is a point that people don't get, right? By and large, uh, because it's challenging. Not because, not because, um, not for any other reason than that. And it is very similar to the message that you gave, where you talked about finding this ring. It ended up being a toy ring, right? And like you know, people wanted to say, "Oh, you're being too hard on yourself for wanting to uh, uh, to keep this ring that you right. thought could have been real jewelry, and it ended up being fake. But like you right. tried, you did your part, therefore you can keep it. Right. And you were saying, no, this piece of jewelry, even though it ended up being fake and insignificant, is a reminder of my desire to do things that aren't congruent with who I want to be. Exactly. And so for me to get the joy of being who I see myself to be, who I want to see myself to be, who I wish I was, in order for me to make a step towards being the person who I wish I was, I have to leave this behind. Yes. This is the very same thing to me as, um, I, I think I, I told this story on a weekend at one point, maybe before we were doing the podcast, but when we got the call that Nora was born, that our daughter was born and we had to go meet her, we were in the movie Phantom Thread. Yeah. And when that movie came out on Blu-ray, I was going to buy it on day one because I thought, like, that was that was a significant movie for us, whether we liked it or not. Now, we ended up really thinking it was quite um, a powerful movie. Right. right? And But I wanted to go buy it. So I went to Target and um, I did self-checkout. And when I got out to my car, I saw that um, even though I had thought that I had scanned the movie, it hadn't. And I, I normally don't even look at my receipt, but it was just like cheaper than I thought it should be. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for about five minutes, I thought, lucky me. Right. <laughs> I just got Phantom Thread for free. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought, and then about five, but within about five minutes, I knew the next day I was going to go back and pay for it, which I did. Right. And um, it's not because I'm a goody two shoes. It's because I don't like living with the knowledge that I'm not making the moves that I can to become who I want to be. Right. Right. So like there are certain things that are out of our control. We can't always be who we want to be. We can't always be the best version of ourselves. But when there's an obvious thing right in front of you um, and you can do it. And, and by not, God's grace, you recognize that it's that thing, right? And it's not at a—it's not even at a particularly great cost to yourself, right? Um, you—you—you know—you—I hate to use the word "should," but you—you kind of should. That's a real opportunity. Yeah, you and know, there, be, there's joy in paying for the movie. Yeah, because it wasn't about paying for the movie; it was about 
I just did a thing that the person that I want to be would do. There was joy in him walking away from the umbrella, and if we had handed it to him, it would have ruined it. Yeah. Uh, I've got another story for you about that. Um, So uh, a couple of years ago, um, my husband, your father, and I went to Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Your real father, Luke. Uh Um, And uh, we went to a UVA football game. And I had been reading one of Brene Brown's books where she was talking about the spiritual experience of large crowds gathered together, having an experience or a moment, and how this was a very sacred experience. She was saying this about crowds in general or about football games? No, she's just like there were moments like at a great concert when you look around and you're all really enjoying the music or, you know, and it's, it's, there's some word for it. I want to call it effervescence or something, but there's something that's bigger than the whole when people join together and have an experience. Mm -hmm. So... Like at a concert when there's like a contact high because everybody everybody all around you is smoking weed. No, not from that. But anyway, well, maybe, but that's not the point of this. So anyway, so we went to the UVA football game and it was pouring rain. I mean, you've never seen it rain so hard. And we had ponchos and we had all this gear. It didn't matter because the wind was blowing so hard it was coming down sideways. It didn't occur to you, either one of you, to say, you know what, we've been to a lot of football games in our lives. Like, we could probably pass on the monsoon game. It was your dad's birthday, and you know how dad loves going to his UVA football games. But even he— So, well, let me tell you. He he, wanted to do it anyway. He did, because he was living in denial and thought it wouldn't really rain. But then it started raining, just as they predicted. And then he wanted to go up and stand under the shelter. Mm -hmm. And I said no. And it was cold, too. Because you needed to punish him for being stubborn? No, because we were having... Oops, sorry about that. Uh, No, because we were having a moment. The the moment of being miserable in the rain? Yes, and, and... if you haven't learned the fact that if you sit even with a poncho and a raincoat on at a football game where your team is struggling for a victory on the field and they don't get to get dry, if you haven't had a moment where you've sat in the stands to cheer this team on, which admittedly needs a lot of cheering on and is often quite bad, and you haven't learned that it is possible for water to even gather in your underwear— you have missed an experience. And it was cold and miserable. Missed a bad experience. And dad decided that maybe hot chocolate would help. But when he stood up, he realized his legs were so wet and cold and his jeans were so heavy, he could hardly walk to get it. And when he pulled out his wallet, his money was so wet that they had to take a long time to peel it out so that it wouldn't rip. We had a moment. What, what we had a world? moment of pulling for something larger than ourselves. We had a moment of saying... You could have done that from under the covering, though. So no, tell me why this was important. No, it's like walking away from the umbrella. It's like, 
It's like not keeping the cheap ring. It's like paying for the movie. I'm it, not I'm it, not getting that because how would you not be getting the same experience from under the covering? Because your team is not getting to stand under covering on the field, Scott. They have heaters down there. They have those giant coats that they give them. No, 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 no. Is, see, are the facts getting see, in the way of the... Of you're, the you're letting the facts get in the way of the <laughs> sacred moment that we need to be able to do hard things uh-huh. for the sake of a larger cause. Um, I think we should have stayed with our first stories. Well, I can't help it. There's a reason they call you the ass pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but... I think you just wanted to punish him for not paying attention to the weather report. That's what I no, think is going on. No, no, it was an experience. <laughs> it was an experience. Yeah. So we'll um, get him on here next week. So let me give you a quote um, okay. that to tie us into the message to get back serious. Yeah. So again, what I'm trying to say is that the insight from our side of heaven is this: that we are thirsty, and we often thirst for anything that alleviates the human condition discomfort because we want the illusion of control and not having to ask God to come to our assistance. Mm -hmm. And so when there are moments in life where you can be uncomfortable for something greater than yourselves, take the opportunity. In the book, um, The Spirituality of Imperfection, which is going to be my recommendation for the podcast... Um, there's a there's a conversation in it where they talk about that in the acceptance and mi- admission of the reality that we are not in control, we undergo. And I put quotes around the word undergo, and that word means suffer because we definitely desperately want to be in control. And so here's my point, and I'm really serious about it, that... We can make ourselves so comfortable in our world uh, in the United States that we don't even realize that we're doing it. We can get our coffee perfectly brewed. We have our temperature-controlled houses. We are not dependent on crops succeeding because we can go to Kroger to get whatever we need. And this is a problem for us because this gives us the illusion that we do not need to be a people who regularly cry to God to come to our assistance to make haste to help us. And we do not undergo enough. We sidestep it. And I, I feel quite passionate about that. Another quote from the book is this, the first work of grace is simply to enable us to begin to understand what is wrong. And I think what is wrong right now for so many of us is that we do not know how desperately we need God to come to our assistance to make haste to help us so that we can get a bigger view of what it means to be fully human and to understand that we are incomplete that we're slipping and sliding and making mistakes and that there are some mistakes we make that we cannot pay our way out of, we cannot correct our way out of, we cannot fix our way out of. 
and that we, we cause harm that we can't fix and we insulate ourselves from it. That being point one. And point two being that if you, if you get to that part, which I think few do, and I think that the world will, history will not, will not uh, celebrate that we have done this. But if you happen to get to that point where you realize you are hopeless and helpless and not in control, then the hope that I would offer you is that the ancient voices of wisdom continue to insist across the scope of time through their written word that this does not mean that we are a failure. It is a necessary reflection of the paradox of what it means to be human and that it should be this way. And this is the way we are made. And what we are made to do is to believe that we are defective in part and no amount of plastic surgery or performing or being good is going to fix that. But that, that isn't even the point. The point is, is that when we cry out, God makes haste to help us. Now, come on. That's a good point, right? <laughs> All right. You said you had two points there. And if you could summarize them in like a sentence each, so the first, what would they be? So the first point is, is uh, we're flawed. And some flaws are beyond us to control, to cure, whatever. And the second point is, so what if we're flawed? Stop hiding it. Tell the truth. Share with each other that you wanted to take that umbrella so that you could be a little less wet. And in so doing, you are basically acknowledging that you know that you need God to help you to become who you want to be. Boom, that's the good news. Good. So I really care about those two things. Okay, so I think we did it. I think that was good. And I think that means we can slide right into recommendations. And you already made one, unless you have anything else you want to say on the matter. No, I think I'm good. Um, and the book that I would recommend um, to read more about these concepts is called The Spirituality of Imperfection. It's written, it's co-authored. I believe that one of the authors' last name is Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. Sorry, I, I didn't rem- I've forgotten the name of the author's. But, yeah, the spirituality of imperfection. If you want it and you have trouble finding it, just email Scott and he'll he'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I'm not going to um, be able to do anything that a Google search wouldn't be able to do. So I always encourage people to Google first and then um, ask Let's questions. Let's Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what am I going to recommend today? Um, I don't think we ha- I don't think we've recommended the book Falling Upward on the podcast before, have we? We probably no. mentioned it and various things. Um, I'm reading that now. I think it's it's one of um, I don't know if it's Richard Orr's first book, but it, I mean I think it's the one that really put him on the map, so to speak. And um, uh, how do I say this? There are certain things. Uh, that Roar has written that I've really liked and certain things that he's written that I haven't cared for that much. But in spite of that, 
this is one of the things that I've really liked. So I would say I am somebody who's like not a Richard Rohr fanboy, but I do like him. Um, So if you're somebody who's like kind of on the fence about him, then probably this would be like the best of what he has to offer. And um, I think that anybody would get something really positive out of it. Cool. That sounds good. And I imagine if you've still stayed with us this long in this podcast, you're hearing music. Yes, we have music uh, courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. It's royalty free, so we don't pay for it, but uh, we do give them a plug. Um, You can find them on the web at sessions.blue. We are North Star Community. You can find us on the web at www.northstarcommunity.com. We release one of these every week, uh, pretty much, except for when I'm sick. So um, that means we will, in all likelihood, be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.